Hey guys, this is the Damage Control Podcast, and I'm Anthony Angelillo. And I'm Melinda Grimaldi. Are you ready for our next episode? Let's get down to business. All right, so let's get cracky, Anthony. Why don't you uh, start the show formally and let's, let's All do right. it. Uh, Anthony Angelillo, branch manager over here with Paramount Residential Mortgage Group, CEO, founder, tag team, nation marketing tech company, uh, top originator uh, for many years and co-host of Damage Control. And I'm excited to have Alex on this, uh, this show, man. I, I'm pumped to ask questions and I know you're into fitness because I, I follow you as well, man. Uh, so this is going to be a good show. Cool. Amazing, amazing. Hi, everyone. Melinda Grimaldi, real estate and title attorney, Grimaldi Law Firm and the Closers Title Insurance Company. And we are ex- excited to talk to Alex today. You know, you, you could probably talk about so many things. And I've heard <laughs> you speak. I, I actually heard you speak on the Legends and Millennial panel. I'm like, wow, this guy is for real because you were dropping books and, and, and really good tips. And I thought to myself, he would be, you know, and then I, I then you moved. So we never right. got you on the show. And I'm like, we can still, not everything's virtual anyways, right? So you left Florida. So um, why don't you introduce yourselves for those of you that, uh, for those of our followers that don't know you and uh, and let, let them know what you're doing these days. Cool. All right. So I'm Alex Vidal. I am uh, a regional vice president for Cobalt Banker, uh, the largest real estate company in the world in Dallas, Fort Worth. I oversee 10 offices and about a thousand agents. Um, formerly a Miami boy, born and raised. I uh, lived in, latest I lived in Davie prior to that Aventura, and I was the president of a company called Related ISG International Realty, which was a company co-owned by the Related Group and ISG. Um, and let me see, so I'm 43, been in real estate since I'm 19, worked with Kai's, Prudential, uh, California, Colorado, Florida, Texas. So been around the block a little bit. Awesome. I uh, love that. So a lot of what you're doing these days, I see is coaching your agents. I'm sure you always kind of had that. I think as a broker, you should be doing that anyways, but I see you do a lot of that. So, so how do you, I guess, like in terms of, um, you know, how you teach your agents, what's the first thing that they gotta, you know, what's the first thing you want them to know? What's the first thing you want them to do? Well, it's not that what necessarily what I want them to do. It's more about what they want to do and you kind of figure out so i kind of do two different ways of coaching i can do one-off coaching sessions to where you know i've done over 500 you know one-on-one coaching sessions this year and i also do group coaching i've graduated uh i just recently graduated 120 agents out of group coaching and i have 142 in group coaching now um and they kind of follow along the same path obviously the group coaching is an eight session group coaching program that we do that's a lot more intensive right Um, but ultimately what you figure out is if you were to ask an agent two questions, what's one objective you want to accomplish this year, forget, you know, forget sales volume, income, number of transactions, just give me something you want to do, get more listings, work with more buyers, increase your average sales price, start a farm area, start a podcast, you know, whatever, what is it? 99% of them tell you that they want to get listings, right? Um, especially in a market like today where you're in a multiple offer situation, et cetera. But then you ask them what their biggest challenge is, and it's, you know, they're myriad of different reasons what they give themselves as to why uh, they don't get it. So then you kind of walk them down this path and really boils down to one thing. And this is where the group coaching kind of ties in. You, you figure out that these agents do all these transactions. They do a great job, right? They, they get 20 transactions a year, 30, 40, 50. A lot of it is with their sphere of influence. You know, typically 30 to 50% of it is on the listing side of things. And then you start asking them like kind of like the nitty gritty about their SOI, their database. So a lot of their business comes from their database, supposedly. Cool. So let me ask you a question. So, you know, you know, let me ask you, Melinda, 
how many people do you know on a first name basis where if you call them right now, they literally answered the phone and said, hey, Melinda, what's up? Right. Or you said, hey, it's Melinda from so and so. Hey, Melinda, what's up? How you doing? And they know who you are. And they'll give you a number, 100, 200, 300. They're always wrong in their number. They either shoot really high or they shoot really low. Um, and that already tells me right there that they don't have their database in place. And that's kind of where this is going. Um, and by the way, I want to preface everything I'm going to share with you is not rocket science. There's no magic pill. Um, the, the, the hardest, easiest thing to do is what I'm going to share with you, right? I, you don't have to pay a coach $1,000 a month. That's BS. And so you start walking them through, you're like, all right, Melinda, so you know 100 people. For those 100 people, how many do you have their email address for? Oh, I, I got all their email addresses. Cool. How many do you have their home address for? Eh, some. Okay. How many of those do you have, do you follow on social media? Oh, I follow them all on social media. All right, cool. So then I call this, I literally call this my dagger question. And I'm like, all right, Melinda, you live in Davie. I'm your friend. I own the local CrossFit gym in Davie, right? And you as a listing agent, all of a sudden go and you take a listing in Aventura. How do I, as your friend who lives in Davie, who owns the local CrossFit gym, know that you took this listing in Aventura? And across the board, literally, with the exception of one agent out of hundreds, one agent, with the exception of one, they tell me either you wouldn't know or maybe you'd see it on social media. And then you're, you're like, okay, so I'm your sphere of influence. There are 65,000 realtors in Dayton, Broward County. At least when I left, there's probably more now. And the only way in which you're telling me, someone in your sphere, that you're a performer in real estate, taking listings, putting them under contract and closing them is Facebook, Instagram, and they're like, yeah. And, and then I start sharing them stories. Well, like my wife doesn't see half the stuff I post. Not because she doesn't follow me. She does. It's just the algorithm doesn't put it in front of her, you know, to, to show me. So that's one big unlock that we've been able to coach our agents on is how, one, how do you even gather that information to begin with? Like, how do you, how do you reach out to your sphere and not be that realtor um, that you're asking for the business? Because I think, sorry, I'm coffeeed up right now. So I apologize if I'm rambling so coffee no up. man it's no, good. no no um, but you know it, what, what do most real estate coaches teach their agents call your sphere of influence and many years ago it was you know who do you know or do you know of anyone that may be interested in buying or selling real estate and they're like no 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 don't ask that question anymore because that's a yes or no question you can't ask yes or no questions ask them who do you know because then it's going to get their mind thinking they know somebody from church or the gym or from work that's doing something it's like that's a bunch of bs man so what we do is we teach our agents on how to have genuine conversations with their sphere. If you literally reach out to your sphere of influence, and if you, and, and you talked to Melinda, you referenced the book, never split the difference. I, I've read this book probably four times now. It's a game changer. If you genuinely ask your, your sphere of influence, how are you doing? Okay. Right now, you have people that are getting married, getting divorced, having babies, kids moving in, kids moving out, job loss, job relocation, job promotions, uh, deaths in the family. Like, there's all this stuff going on. So they're going to tell you, man, I'm doing, man, I'm crushing it right now. <laughs> you know, or, hey, I'm, 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 I'm having a hard time. Yeah, we're, we're going through some stuff. You know, we're, we're, it, it's okay. Sounds like you're going, then you label it. Sounds like you're going through some stuff. Sounds like you're doing amazing at work. And you follow that up with, what's going on they're going to tell you hey we just we're having a baby oh my god dude you're going to need a bigger house you know? 
right? Yeah, um, for sure. Job, job loss. Oh my God, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. But you know what? A lot of people have lost their job and it's completely turned around for them. You probably have a shit ton of equity in your, in your house, by the way. You know, do you want to talk about it? Death in the family. Oh my God, yeah. That's, this is one of the reasons why I'm even following up with people. Just to check in on them. I'm sorry to hear that. If you have any questions on, the, on, on probate or how that works or anything, hey, just know that I'm here. And, and what we're finding is that, that our agents, by having these genuine conversations, are now being able to engage their sphere of influence. They're acting as a resource. Correct. And, and you're hearing, you're not, you don't have to, their answer will let you know whether or not you're engaging, right? Do you need to engage as a realtor? Are you hearing that you need to engage as a realtor? And then from there, you can say, by the way, and, and Cobalt Banker, not plugging Cobalt Banker in any way, but I do work for Cobalt Banker. We have this great thing called Clients for Life where essentially our agents can import their database, their database into. And then from there, they get it like uh, monthly emails that they get raffles from like Amazon, Home Depot, et cetera, like gift cards. Like, hey, by the way, Anthony, you know what? Listen, I, man, I want you to win these gift cards, but I just realized I don't have your email address. I don't have your home address. What is it? And by the time I hang up that phone call, I would have genuinely checked in on my sphere. I would have found out and listened to whether or not I needed to engage as a realtor. Um, and I would have gotten your, and I would have gotten any missing information that I needed. And I would have completed my database. Love um, it. I actually awesome. suggest, I suggest to my agents to do this while they go for a walk because calling your sphere of influence is by far the hardest thing, like by far. Um, and when COVID started and I was still back in Florida, I was calling my agents and all of a sudden it was like, I'd rather do the dishes. And if my wife's still listening, she'd be like, he hates doing dishes. I would rather do the dishes than call because it's a hard call. Right. Um, so I forced myself to go out for a walk and make the calls because all of a sudden I didn't want to make calls anymore, but I'm three miles from my house. Well, guess what? I still have to get back home. Mm -hmm. So, Anthony, does that sound familiar? The type of call that he's talking about? I talk about this all the time. Gas calls. We, we like, just so, had this in our in our conversation prior to this meeting. It's it, this is awesome information. Go so ahead. So I, I was I was in this really good coaching program many years ago. And the one thing they talked about was gas calls. Give a shit. Call people. Give a shit, which is exactly it's, it, it's just a nickname for exactly what you what you talked about, right? Past clients, referral sources, who, it, and this could be for any type of business, it doesn't have to be just for realtors, is calling people in your sphere, calling your past clients, calling your referral sources, calling people you know, friends, family, giving a shit about them. And sure. sometimes it could, it could lead to some business, sometimes it could lead to a referral to somebody that you know, or you could help them. And eventually that just all comes back to you in, in a very well-rounded sphere and, and business, you know, pipeline. And so really, and that. really give it a shit too. Like yeah. making a call out of the genuineness of your heart saying, look, how are you? You know, we know that you possibly had a cold or the flu and, and just that goes such a long way. I mean, people don't forget that. Let me, let me tell you something, piggybacking on how are you? I, I joke with my, I got to go to the DMV later because I, I sold my truck and I got a Tesla and I got to switch the tag from, nice. you know, my truck. To the Tesla. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time, start off every conversation with how are you? Not like, how are you? Can I have a trend to cold brew, please? And it's like, no, no, no. How are you? And what you realize is the person on the other line or the other side doesn't get that very frequently. Like I get, a, I get at least a free coffee a week from the Starbucks by my house, <laughs> just because I ask them how they're doing. I walk into the store. If I'm in a rush, I'll pre-order. I'll walk in. And they're like, Alex, you walked in today. You know, like I walk in maybe once every three weeks. Like they, they just know me from the car just because I'm one of the few people that actually care to ask them how they're doing. 
it's because every, everyone's on this device like this. I, I'm in my elevator. Everyone's like zombies, man. No one says hello or good morning. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me yeah, about it. it's it's something for sure. So definitely working your sphere, calling your making your calls, checking in with with um, checking in with with your your people that you know and seeing how they're doing is very powerful. It's powerful in any business. Mm-hmm. Um, is that like, and I think everybody knows this, like, like you said, it's not rocket science. This is not, there's no secret. There's just doing what you know you got to do to get to where you want to be. Hardest, you easy, hardest, easiest thing you can do. Calling your sphere is like the easiest thing. The, the other thing too is, it, and piggybacking is like, okay, what do I do with that information? So I got everybody's information. What do I do with it? And then, you know, when you ask them, well, when you get these listings, what are you doing? And they're telling you, well, all I'm doing is, um, uh, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm putting it on social media and that's it. They're like, well, why aren't you emailing it to them? Why aren't you sending them something in the mail? And they're like, well, I don't want to be that realtor, right? I don't want to be that realtor that only posts, social, or posts on social media about real estate. We can get into that too, by the way. Oh, um, I don't want to be the one emailing. And it's like, well, do you even know what your open rate is? And they're like, yeah, my open rate's 14%. If they even know what their open rate is. And you're like, well, that means that 86% of the emails you're sending don't even get open to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I joked with my wife, I go, we live in a pretty nice neighborhood in, in Texas. It's crazy that we don't get postcards in the mail from realtors. And she's like, well, what are you talking about? We do, I just throw them in the mail. I throw them in the garbage. I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. I wanna, I wanna see them, right? And then, so she started saving them and then all of a sudden they stopped, right? And, and then you look at, you know, the algorithm and you look at really, if you look at the number of followers you have and you start looking at the engagement and, and the reach that it has, they, they don't coincide. And so agents are thinking, hey, I, I, I'm going to go and tell my sphere. I want more listings. 99% of people want more listings, but yet they're all they're doing to tell their sphere that they're a, a performer in the business. Not that they're in the business of real estate. There are 65,000 agents in the business of real estate in South Florida. There are 45,000 in Dallas. You know, but, and, and if you just, all you have to do is put your hand out, you're going to touch a realtor, right? But are you telling them that you're a performer? Like that you take a listing, email it, mail it, social media, you put it under contract in a day with multiple offers or whatever, postcard, email, mail it, close it. And then all of a sudden, now that you've gotten this information from your database, now you've told your sphere of influence nine different ways that you, um, nine different ways that you took this listing, you put it under contract and you close it. So then in coaching, here's what I hear. If you took, I'll do the math for you. It's really easy. If every listing can represent nine different touches to your sphere of influence, and you took 10 listings, that's 90 points of contact throughout the year to your, mm-hmm. to your SOI, right? And if you know 100 people, that's like 9,000 touches to your SOI in a year with only 10 listings. Yeah. And I'm like, so let me ask you, Anthony, if you reach out to your SOI 9,000 times throughout the year, and you told them that you took a listing, you put it under contract and you closed it multiple times over. How many more listings do you think you would get? A double, triple. Right? So I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a numbers game. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's how much can you have in your outreach, basically? That's right. I, I think the importance of that is reminding people because when the time comes for them to do it or for, that, or for them to refer a friend, colleague, someone they know to an agent, if you're always that one that's touching, it's the reminder because there's a lot of agents out there. And then mm-hmm. people are so busy. Like if you don't, if you're not in their face about it, like they're going to forget. I forget all the time about things, right? Like, and, and I, mm-hmm. I, I have a whole panel of lists of who I refer to for every single type of 
person business issue, yeah. you know? So, well, and so Melinda, there's, there's two things to this too, right? If you look at it, if, if, if let's say, what, what do most agents do? They take a listing and they send just listed and just so postcards around the list. Now I lived in Mystique and David. If I took a listing in, in Mystique and I sold and I sent the just list just sold around my listing in Mystique, and now I took one in Aventura Lakes, which is where I lived before. Well, Aventura Lakes doesn't care about Mystique, and Mystique doesn't care about Aventura Lakes. But what's the one common denominator that no matter where you go in South Florida or no matter where you go in our Metroplex here in, in Dallas, the you know, Dallas Fort Worth, it's your SOI, right? So it's the one common denominator that in that only goes with you no matter where you go. So then the, 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 the feedback, and there are people right now that are saying, Alex, there's no effing way I'm going to reach out to my sphere of influence 9,000 times. My wife, who's right behind me, is one of them because we were sitting in the car and she was like, what are you coaching these agents? You're sitting in on all these one-on-one. I go through what I termed CB9, whatever. And she's like, I can't believe you're telling them. They're going to think you're crazy. You know, I love it because she challenges me. And I'm like, I already shared with you the postcard analogy. Postcards don't even go through. All right, she's jumping on the, on the Peloton. So give me a second. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up and move. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, give me a second. Get me worked up. I got to get out of here. Let's live go. in the Vidal household. Give me a second. I love that. So, so as you're relocating, sure. I think, I think there's a lot of people, I, I, I experienced this maybe five, six, seven years ago in my business of not wanting to be that person that shares about my business all the time because I'm like I don't want to be that person and there's something about that in the mindset that has to be adjusted I think oh, it's to- it's it's total like here's what happens right so agency I don't want to be bragging that's what they say I don't want to be yeah. bragging about what I'm doing yeah. like, well Perfect. you got to remember that 90% of what you're sending isn't even getting through to begin with right and and if that's what you're if that's what you're only posting about, if that's what you're only sending about, is that if that's what you're only talking about, then yeah, you, you kind of become that realtor. And so what I learned was in, in social media, at least, uh, man, I'm sorry, the coffee's hitting hard right now. I love it. It's Cuban coffee. <laughs> um, what, what I've learned is it, when I start, when I launched the podcast, when I launched my podcast, The Closer Club, um, and I started getting like the Ryan Serhants and the Grant Cardones and, and all those big people on, um, branding agencies started reaching out and they essentially wanted me to represent them, but for, for a fee. Right. But, and I never hired any of them, but I listened to what they were telling me. And one common denominator across the board was if you look at most realtors, they either only post about real estate or they never post about real estate. Right. There's no in between. And they essentially said, look at your life and try to break it up into like four different verticals. Now, if it, listen to what you guys said at the start of this conversation, Hey, I follow you. You're you involved with your family a lot. You're into fitness. You do all these things. And so you already know, you know, that I coach my agents based on what you see on social media. So right there, those are three of my verticals, right? There's the, there's the fact that I'm the coach to my agents and I'm the RVP for DFW, right? For Cobalt Banker. There is a fact that I'm an athlete and, and I compete in triathlons. I just had a triathlete, you know, I had all my medals behind me before we got started, or I'm a pretend to be athlete. Um, I'm a family man. That's an athlete. Family man. I involve my boys. I I do all that. Um, And then I have my podcast, right? And and those are my four verticals. So I try to sprinkle in a little bit of everything that leads to those those four things. And if you can do that, then you're not always posting about real estate. Definitely, because that's how people connect, right? That's how people can relate, connect, and build a rapport. Because there's your sphere, and they like to see what you're doing. But then there's people that you start to, oh, I know this person from this person, and then they start to see more about you. 
mm-hmm. because they, they may, they may not need that real estate angle just yet, but when they do, they're already following you. They're interested in you. They can relate to you. And then that's where the opportunity comes in, you know, at that, at that point. So sure. I love that. I, I, I used to, I used to have trouble with that maybe eight years ago or so myself, but as soon as I, I flipped the switch and I always try to say, don't be afraid to talk about your business because you need to be able to talk about your business. Don't be afraid to talk about your personal life. It's important that you humanize yourself. You, you make yourself relatable, right? Sure. And then the other interests that you have, we always talk about that. Guys, if you're listening to this either live or, or afterwards, I'm telling you, it's not rocket science. It, you, you don't have to recreate the wheel. You got to pick up the phone and show up on social media, show up at events, show up and just show up and be, mm-hmm. be visible. Let people know what you're doing. Here's the thing, though. People want the magic pill. They want the easy answer. They want the disruptor that's in the business. And what's what's really interesting, I just had this conversation yesterday, is like if, if everyone is going the tech route, right, whether it's Zillow or it's it's Compass, we're a tech company, or we're this, we're EXP, we're cloud-based, blah, 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 all this BS that we're all tech, 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 you're no longer the disruptor. Right now, you're just like everybody else because everybody's playing in the same sandbox. Right, the 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 art that's being lost into again. I could be completely wrong. I'm telling you my opinion. By the way, I don't know how the lighting looks. If I need to move over to this side, fine, man. Um, Fine. The the one thing that's not being taught in today's day and age is the ability to have a conversation and communicate with people that that face to face, belly to belly, palm to palm contact, and how to do that is lost. Anthony, you referenced it earlier. You're in your elevator and everybody's looking down at their phone. They're not even paying attention to the world around them. And that ability to have that, that, that real heart to heart conversation with a client um, about what their expectations are, what their needs are, what their wants are. Just a lot of people don't do it. They just want to go in there and tell them how they're going to sell their home for the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time. Right. Yep. Um, they're not, they're not a, building, they're not building any rapport with the, the person on the phone. Right. Let sure. me, let me ask you one question. You mentioned mailers. Yep. Do you think the consistency for agents is the issue? Oh. In consistency is always right. an issue. Not in mean, anything. They're, 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 they're opting out. Most people are opting out because psychologically in a week or two or a month or 90 days, the phenomenon, they're just like, I can't do this. It's not working out. It's not for me. I'm, I'm being a nuisance. I'm asking too many questions. Yeah. So that's a great question. And um, I get asked a lot, Alex, you know, how, how should I go about my business? And it's all about a comfort level. Like for me, when I was selling real estate, I had no money. Mm. So I started door knocking. I was a door knocker. I've already gone door, as an RVP. I've gone door knocking five times in Dallas with our agents. Like I freaking love it. In, and this is what you hear. You can't go door knocking. There's COVID. You can't go door knocking in COVID. And I'm like, well, it sounds, so I go to that agent. I'm like, well, it sounds like you've knocked on a lot of doors. Well, I haven't, but I, you know, you just can't go door knocking. And, and I'm like, well, don't tell me that because I've already gone door knocking. And I know what it's like. You knock on the door, you stand six feet back, leave your mask hanging on your ear. And then you let them open the door, see your face then you mask up, right? And, and you can do it. And we had great success with it. And it works and people are home right now, right? So it, it depends on the comfort level if they want to go door knocking mailers or whatever. But my, going back to the question, my rule of thumb is if you're going to door knock, you have to be willing to door knock every single door or the same exact door at least once a month for a year. Wow. Before you can come and talk to me and tell me it's not working, Right. If you're going to go in, if you're going to go into 
a mailing campaign, uh, one, you got to piggyback it with video. Um, and the reason I say that is because a piece of paper doesn't translate likability and trust. And when you have 45,000 options in my metro or you have 65,000 options in South Florida, customers have a choice with whom they're going to do business with. Again, remember, you just reach out. You can touch any realtor. You can touch a realtor, right? They're going to choose to do business with people they like and they trust. If they don't know you, how are you going to create likability and trust? You create likability and trust by video because now they see your energy. They see your vibe. They see your aura. Uh, I believe in all that stuff. Um, are you Without an energy are you an energy provider? Are you an energy drainer? What type of person are you? Um, and the paper, the, the, the postcard at least to a stranger will can, could potentially create trust. Like if you happen to be selling in the neighborhood or you, you have a great year and you have stats that you can lean on, um, then you go that route. But here's my, my opinion on this. Um, you got to be willing to mail that home every single week for the first six months. That's 24 mailers in a row every single week before you can start tapering it down a little bit to maybe twice a month for the next six months. Then we can talk about whether or not you should give it up. But here's what happens, Anthony, you said it best, like agents talk to each other, right? And they're like, door knocking doesn't work. And, and we coach our agents on being very careful who you take your advice from. Because, it, it, you know, I learned this from a guy named Tom Billu, who founded Quest Nutrition, you know, the, the, the protein bars. Net worth is like five, 500 million bucks. So I asked him, Tom, he was on my podcast. I'm like, how do you know who to take advice from? And he said two things. One is the person I'm asking advice from done what I'm asking them advice on three times over. So if I want to sell $10 million a year worth of real estate. Say, say I, that one more time. One more time. I mean. has, it, it, so Anthony, let's say I'm asking you advice on how to sell $10 million worth of real estate. Yeah. Okay. Or do $30 million in loans, whatever it is. Hey, give me some advice. You're going to give me advice. Now, how I take your advice is going to depend on two things. One, have you sold or have you done $30 million in loans at least three times over? Because one, three times over, you're not a product of the market at that point. Uh, you're not a one hit wonder in one year. Like there's, there's actual substantial credibility to the advice that you're giving me because you've done it three times over. Um, now, if you haven't, then I'm going to prod you, right? So if someone tells me, hey, Alex, you shouldn't go door knocking. Right. I'm going to ask them all, how many times have you gone door knocking? And a lot of times the people that tell you that door knocking doesn't work is, you know, oh, I've, I've gone door knocking a couple of times. Well, what's a couple of times. Right. And then you start vetting out the date, the, the data on which they're basing their opinion on. Right. And then what you awesome. ultimately find is that a lot of, a lot of people are making opinions or giving advice on data that isn't really substantiated. Right. Like you just said, how many realtors will tell you mailers don't work? 90% of them. Yeah. But then you ask them how frequently they're doing it. Oh, I did it once a month for a quarter. Well, yeah, no, no wonder it didn't work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I look at the mailers too, wow. just because, you know, being in real estate, I like, I want to know like who, who's doing what, right. It's just something that you study um, and, and pay attention to. And you're right. I get one or two and then they stop. Like, cause now we just moved in our neighborhood. So like, I'm one or two the neighborhood. Where did you, where did you move to by the uh, way? Lake Estates in yeah. right across from Nova. That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Lake Estates we, are rolling hills. It's yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, we love it. Um, we have a golf course right in the back. The kids can run out and play. My husband's getting, I think I'm going to take golf lessons. 
Okay. Uh, wh- why not? I have a golf course literally yeah. in my backyard. So Roll, Rolling think- Oaks. Uh, ro- uh, what is it? Uh, is it Rolling Oaks? I think. Rolling Hills. No. Rolling Hills. That's yeah. Right. It's where they filmed Caddyshack. Is actually yeah, yeah, that yeah, golf course. Yeah, yeah. uh, my old boss used to play there all the time. Yeah, and what's cool is that since we live in that neighborhood, you don't even have to be a member of the club. You can just go out and play. So the neighbors yeah. just go, and it's it's like very quiet. It's a beautiful thing, but it, it's it's another reason to reach out. It's another thing. Like I, I want to play tennis. I I need some hobbies now. Like I've been working too much. I'm like the mom and the business owner. I'm like I need some hobbies. So I'm like I think I'm gonna do the tennis and the and the the golf. No, I picked, my wife picked up tennis right before we moved, and then still playing here. So yeah. all our friends here are pretty much from tennis. From tennis. That's cool. Yeah. And that's how you build, right? Picking up a hobby or going all in on something is another way to build a sphere, like add to your sphere. Where do, where do these people come from? It's such a, it's such an important thing, but it all ties back to people give up too quick. People don't mm-hmm. want to do something that makes them uncomfortable. And that's all in the mindset kind of. Uh, well, let, let, let's talk about that. Great segue. I, I swear to God, we couldn't have planned this better. Yeah. <laughs> so the, 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 the thing is this, right? The, the giving up too quick, for sure. The, the, the uncomfortableness has a lot to do with, with just not doing it. And, and the example that I give agents all the time is, do you remember, let's say you went on, I actually just did a video on this. Let's say you, you've done 100 listings, you've done 50 listings, you've done 20 listings. If you get called for a listing presentation today, you're going to feel really good about it. If you've done 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 1,000 listing presentations, you're going to feel great because you've done so many. Do you remember your first listing presentation? And they always say, oh my God, it was so terrible. <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah, and now look at you. You didn't stop because it was terrible. You just had to get through that. You had to get through that thing. Like your podcast now probably didn't start with you guys having mics and having the professional setup. Mine did. Mine started with myself. It's still on my cell phone. But with my buddy, Richard Greenfield, holding it, literally going like this between me and my guest. And then it eventually wow. got to sideways and then it got to putting my logo on the corner to then moving my logo to the middle to then you know um having lapel mics and having a tripod and and all this crazy stuff but i sucked at the beginning yeah and now i think i'm pretty good right that's not being cocky i just think i'm good right so you have that but but it's time in the saddle And, and the mindset thing the very first thing i coach in my coaching program is mindset because you could be the best loan officer. You could be the best attorney. You could be the best whatever, the best realtor, the best mom, the best dad, the best athlete, best business owner, whatever. If you don't want to get out of bed in the morning, nothing else matters. Like nothing, right? Um, and, and what you learn and what I've learned, by vir- my podcast has been a, a life changer for me. What I've learned by virtue of my podcast is not that these super successful people that have hundreds of millions or, or even billions of dollars it's not that they're always positive god knows i'm not always positive right yeah the difference is do i have tools and and do i have systems in place that i work on on a daily basis so that when i do find myself in that in that slump for a second am i there for a day am i there for a couple hours am i there for a week am i there for a month am i there for a year Right. And so what, what everybody, these super successful, the one common denominator that they have is they have a system in place to get out of that slump right away and be in that positive mindset. You got to work like, you know, if you're just tuning in now, you didn't see my race medals, but you don't show up to a half Ironman and expect to race. You put in the time, you plan, right? You train for it. It's the same thing. You got to train. You got to have a system in place for your mindset. You can do it. You can actually change your mindset by working on it. You know, Amen. it's a must. It's a muscle, just like anything else. 
your brain needs to be Stimulated. reminded like you know how there's muscle memory like if you're out of it for a while you have to be reminded put things in place to keep you on track like infrastructure like or if you know you have certain quirks build stuff out to keep you on track for that whether yeah. it's if you know you don't like to make calls because there's something about calling there's a lot of things you can do to resolve that but making sure you just start calling is really the, the only thing. And so how do you make sure you start calling? You create the time blocks, you have accountability partners, you put yourself out there, you tell everyone, this is what I'm gonna do. To, like, sometimes I will literally go out and tell the world on social media, in person, whatever, this is what I'm gonna start doing from now on because I need to start doing it. So I'm gonna tell you what I'm doing it because then I have to do it, right? Whatever it is. So there's got, you gotta find ways to, to hack until it becomes second nature, until it becomes more comfortable. I'll give you a couple of hacks. There's a great TED talk by a guy named Sean Aker, A-C-H-O-R. It's about happiness at work. It's hilarious. Okay. Super funny. It's only 12 minutes long. Um, and I've kind of taken what he talks about in that podcast and kind of changed it around a little bit to what suited me. And essentially what it's turned into for me is what I call a 5, 10, or, or 25 rule. And essentially it's this. On a great day, I write down pen to the paper, and there's a whole psychology as to why you should do pen to the paper, but pen to the paper, five things for which I'm grateful for, okay? And if you don't repeat yourself, like I'm not always grateful for my job, and I'm not always grateful for my family, my wife, my kids, you really start to analyze the world around you for the good that's happening, right? So one day I had a really crappy day a few years ago, and I don't remember what it was, but I was the, I was the nail, not the hammer. Right. And so I sit down and, and, and I start to write down the things I'm, I'm grateful for. And I wrote down the five and I'm like, yeah, no, this didn't help me today. Right. And I kept writing and I got to about 25 things in my day for which I could find myself to be grateful for. And what I realized was that there was a lot happening to be thankful and grateful for in my day. I just wasn't paying attention to it because I was paying attention to the, 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 the one bad thing that happened. It was renting all the real estate in my head. So I had my kids doing it, had my kids doing it. And um, like anything, it's hard to you know, do every single day for years and years and years. That's one of the reasons why I love my coaching program because anytime I do it to them, I do it back on with them. Um, so I had my 14 year old doing it. He's like, so daddy, let me ask you a question. You know, All right, on a great day, I do five. On a bad day, I do 25. What if I had an okay day? And I was like, well, what do you think you should do? He goes, how about 10? I'm like, okay. So, you know, what we work on is five on a great day, 10 on an okay day, 25 on a, on a bad day. And the, you can see a fundamental shift in our agents when they do this. So the, the way I do it, my, my, my eight session program, and it's not for sale by the way. It's not like I'm here trying to pitch yeah. it. I don't sell it. It's yeah. just my agent, so don't think I'm saying it because of that. I'm not, there's no link yeah. you can go to, to go and <laughs> sorry. After this, go. we've got a link here. <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta come to Dallas and work for Cole Banker. Yeah. Um, but essentially we do it every, we do it every two weeks. So after like session, when we're going into session three, which is, you know, four weeks in, you can tell, like you can tell the agents that have been doing it. You start to see a fundamental shift. You start to see the people around you who are energy suckers. You, you're like, a, you're either like two magnets that are opposite that just completely push each other apart 
or then you find energy providers and then you're like a magnet that, you know, glues you together. And um, it's really cool. Like it, it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. That's awesome. We started doing that every wow. night asking our, my older son, my little guy is still not there yet, but uh, what are the three things you're grateful for? And we asked for three. And at first he's like, why do I have to do this? Like, ah. you know, but now he's getting it and he's doing it. And um, I, I really, I really think it's a, a great, I wish I would have done things like that when I was a kid. So mm. it's cool that we can instill these kid, things in our kids early eight, at, at the earlier stages. So they will be so much more, you know, equipped to handle life um, later on when they're out in the world. Right. So, and it's a reminder for ourselves too. Sometimes I feel like I'm teaching it to my kids. I'm talking about it on the show, but then I'm so busy or so tired that I forget to do these things for myself sometimes. So this is always a good reminder for me to, to sit yep. down and, and have that moment of gratitude. Right. And, and you're seeing them progressively get better and better. Oh, you, you, you can tell who does and who doesn't. So we had one in our flower mound office. Doesn't matter. You, you guys want to know what flower mound is. And at the beginning, she's like, oh, Alex, why are you making me do this? Yeah. And what was interesting, by the time we got to like session four of the program, she's like, I had to get my husband doing it. Because every time he just comes in and wants to dump on me about work. And I'm like, go do your gratitude right now. I don't want to, you know, and um, oh. so you, you see it. Like you see, like yesterday, we had two coaching sessions yesterday. And one of the agents was like, my husband, he works for um, uh, some loan company. It was, maybe it was PRNG, maybe it was Colorado, branch manager down here. She's like, man, he just comes home and unloads on me about his day. And, you know, I started, rather than just being like, oh, I got to listen to him again about these, you know, clients. It was more <laughs> like, well, I'm happy. I'm grateful that I'm the person that he wants to come and talk to, right? I'm grateful that he's got a job that, that he can complain about, right? That provides for our family. I'm grateful that he got home safely to be able That's to tell awesome. about what happened at work. Right. Um, so you make, yeah, you definitely can see it. No doubt. The perspective. Right. So going from good to great, that's the title of the episode, just because I feel like you, you all like through your experience, you've definitely seen agents make, make the transition to become great or some just stay where they're at in their own way. So what do you think it is? What, Obviously we know there's things you got to do, but what's, what are not the secret sauce, but what are the tools or the strategies that they do implement, um, in their lives? What are you, what are you seeing with your agents now that is really helping them pivot? We know gratitude, right? Follow through making your calls, but what, what else can we tell, you know, these agents that are watching that want to like, am I, am I going to disappoint you if I tell you there, there is nothing more? I mean, there's nothing more, right? There's no secret sauce, right? The, the thing is, it's just, you got to realize agents aren't even doing the basic fundamentals. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and by the way, and they're successful in doing it, right? Because the either the market's great or they just know a lot of people and it just falls on their lap and, and all that. And, and it's like, and it works for them. But the ones, the, here's what I have found. All right. It's four things. The, the ones that do this, they work on their mindset every day. They work on getting their database together and actually working their database on a daily basis. They work on building their database because people in their database die, become realtors, move out of town, et cetera, right? And they have an outside source of business. Either they have leads coming in from Zillow, realtor.com, whatever. They have a farm area that they're constantly working, et cetera. If you can focus on those four things religiously, right? Then I will tell you that you will go from being a good agent to being a great agent. Now, what happens? 
there's there's some some unlocks that happen along the way. Like you get really busy and all of a sudden you want to become a control freak and continue trying to control all your deals. Cool. You can be that person, but you're not going to go good to great. So you got to hire an assistant, right? So then we get, well, Alex, I can't afford an assistant or I don't know. Can you give me the job description that so-and-so is using for their, for their assistant? Like, well, it's different for everybody. So if you're looking at this, trying to figure out one, I can't afford an assistant and what I would I even have an assistant do? Very easy for the next two weeks. Anytime you're doing something you don't want to be doing or that you don't like doing, write it down. Because you're, in two weeks, you're going to have your assistant's job description. Done for Simple sure. Thing, right? So then you have, all right, well, I can't afford an assistant. I can't afford $20,000, $40,000 a year. Okay. What can you afford? Can you afford $500 a month? Can you afford $1,000 a month? What can you afford? Oh, yeah, Alex, I can afford $1,000 a month. Okay. Well, 20 bucks an hour, that's 50 hours. Right. I think is that the math, right? I think it's about right. Mm -hmm. Um, so now all of a sudden you just gave yourself 50 hours of time a month for a thousand dollars. What a agent, what can you do if I gave you back 50 hours of your day of your month? It's an entire work week. Right. So then you start getting into the unlocks there. Then you have unlocks like, well, Alex, I don't trust transaction coordinators. I don't trust assistance because I don't want them, you know, if they drop the ball, then it's going to cost me money. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. Well, then you just got to work on the systems in place that don't allow for that to happen. Check in with them every single morning, so on and so I mean, whatever, whatever it may be, but it's not, this is, this is what I keep trying to tell people. This is not a complicated business. It's just doing the, the it's doing the minutiae or not the minutiae, but the follow-up, right? Mm -hmm. Things that get you in front of a buyer or a seller 80% of the time, it's doing that on a consistent basis and that is so freaking hard it's it's crazy and and the reason agents have this you know up and down roller coaster is they get three or four deals under contract and then all of a sudden they're like staring at the three or four deals and they're waiting for the three or four deals to close they're babysitting yeah. the deal they're thinking about it all day long all right great great i got three or four deals i'm babysitting babysitting boom they all close now i'm back at the bottom now That's they roller coaster right yeah, th then they start prospecting they start doing what they're supposed to be doing Right. And then all of a sudden they get three or four deals under contract again, close those. And then here's that, here's that roller coaster. Um, so I, I wish I had a better, I, I mean, again, I wish I had a better answer for you. No, but no, but that's what I wanted. That's kind that's of what it. I wanted to hear because we, we, we kind of, what you've said, we've, we've talked about, we've had show on each one of the four points that you've talked about. We've had shows about, you know, mindset and all that stuff. And the reality is, is uh, and, and sometimes they need to hear like in a different presentation, right? Because it is what it is, guys. There's no secret sauce. You really just need to do like it. In law school, they always told us, you don't have to recreate the wheel. You don't have to find, create a brand new form, right? For this document you need when you have it in your templates, right? So find a good resource and use that. You, you've been given, whether through our show, through through coaches, through brokerages, through there's so many ways you can get information on how to excel in this business. You just got to stop and do it. And, and the other thing and too is keep doing it consistently. So you don't yes. feel like this, right? Do you, do you think Alex that, um, I feel like people become very complacent. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's a it's a seller's market right now. I'm doing very well. I'm kicking ass. Well, okay, what what happens when that turns and rates go up next year? You know what I mean? Then what? You're not well, you know you're not making six figures at that point. You know you don't have your database built out. You don't have the mindset because now you're in a buyer's market. Yeah. Your farming area is still there. So I I don't think they're forecasting. 
And that's the way my mind works is, all right, where am I going to be in five years? I need to understand tech. I need to adapt to the situation. I need to organize my database to get to that level. How do you train that? Uh, so you train your, that's hundred percent right. Right. It's like right now, if you can fog a mirror, you could do business. No, that's actually not true because it's very hard to get a deal. It, there's not a lot of those things. Oh, fact, what was that? Fog a mirror? What? If you, if hey, man. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I'm totally joking. People are going to think I'm the biggest a-hole. No, no, no. I was like, oh, four, oh, five, oh, six. You could definitely fog a mirror and do a real estate transaction. Right. Um, here now, it's, it's funny because I, I tell our agents now that to be able to do the record numbers that we're doing, when there's limited inventory, you're, you're fighting 30 buyers on, a, on one property to be able to pull record numbers is phenomenal. Right. And so what we try to coach them on is, OK, that's great. This is where you are today. But a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, where do you want to be? Right. Um, and I just kind of use personal examples. I was at Related ISG back in, in South Florida. I was ecstatic. Like the ownership group is great. I love it's a great brokerage. I loved it there. I was ecstatic there, but in terms of where we lived in Davie, uh, we lived in Mystique, loved it. My boys loved it. They had a soccer field in the back. Like everything was great. And I actually learned that this is where happiness can be an anchor because even though I was ecstatic with everything that was going on in my life or complacent, it didn't play a role in where I wanted to be in my career and personally in a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. Right. Um, and so you got to be looking at your business. And yes, today is great. But if it does slow down in a year from now, what systems, what foundation do you have in place right now to make that happen? Because it will eventually happen. It's, I don't know if it's next year, if it's five years, I don't know. But do you have a foundation? Because then all of a sudden, if you can do it now in a great market, you may have so much business coming in that now you're, you are controlling the business instead of the business controlling you. And when you can have that unlock, man, now it's like game over at that point. Autopilot. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think almost to the point where <clears throat> some of the agents are content and happy doing what they're doing and don't want to grow or are fearful of growth. I don't think they even think about it. I think, think they're so? just in the motion and trying to make yeah. a, a lot yeah. of people, I think in any business, not just that they're just in doing the motions what they knew do make the money and try to make the get the next deal and just yeah. focusing on like one thing at a time yeah. versus projecting and planning ahead and then uh, executing on the plan. Sure. You you do have agents that are like, Hey, I'm, I'm cool making 200 grand a year. Like I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to work. I don't need, And then that's a different conversation, right? Okay, great. If you're, if you're making 200 grand a year, wouldn't you like to have more time with your family or whatever? Well, let's work on getting you, more efficient or, or doing higher volume transactions. So you don't have to do as many deals, but make the same amount of money. Um, and, and you do have agents, Melinda, as you said, that just are, are, you know, in their mind, they have an idea of what they want to do, but they're just, you know, Hey, when I'm just trying to get as many deals under contract, they're always going right. Too much. You know, that, that saying working in the business versus on the business, yeah. uh, it, you know, I think sometimes agents don't look at themselves as a business because they're just, that one person doing the, doing that uh, service. Right. Uh, but it is a business and you need to treat it like that, which is why we always talk about importance of planning and business strategies, et cetera, because in systems and teams, because even if you're by yourself, you have your, your, your affiliates, your partners, your referral partners, that should be part of your team. You have, mm -hmm. you can get a TC that you only, that you only pay when you close. Like that's, you need to use and leverage as much as you can to, to free up time to work on your business. 
I'll tell you, one of the greatest eye-opening experiences that I'm doing with my boys now, you know, I have a 24-year-old. That's how I got in the business. I had him when I was 19. Started off as a, the secretary to Mike Pappas, the owner of Kai's. Like, I was literally a secretary. Um, and then, you know, went through the ranks there. Um, and then I have my 14-year-old and I have my 11-year-old twins. And I'm trying to work on on bringing them closer to me because they're they're growing up and they're starting to talk to girls and they're doing all this stuff. And, and you know, two of my, my younger ones, my 24 year olds living his life. Right. Uh, but my younger ones, the, the 14 year old and one of my twins are heavily in the sports. The other one's not in the sports. So with him, I'm like, well, what does he like to do? He loves to make money. He loves to buy gadgets. He's always wanting to try the newest tech thing or whatever. So we launched a lifestyle brand called LTFS life's too effing short. And um, your effing could be freaking <laughs> flipping or the real word. Right. And it's hats, shirts, you know, so we're just starting to launch. I right? saw, yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. We haven't even gone really public with the site because we're trying to, you know, we're working on, I mean, we've had 40 orders in a week, which is great. That's and, awesome. my, and so my son is like, wait, wait. So we sell the hat for $29.99 and, and we charge $4 and 90 cents for shipping. So it's like 35, let's say it's 35 bucks. I'm like, yeah. He's like, should we get to keep the $35? I'm like, no. What did, <laughs> what did the hat cost us? Well, the hat cost us 15. Okay. Well, What's this dollar and 33 cents that he, he's like, well, because I was showing him like the, the breakdown. And um, he, I'm like, that's what the credit card company charges us so that somebody can pay through the internet. Well, I didn't know that. I'm like, okay. I'm like, all right, Luke, so we got to get this to someone, right? Well, how are we going to get it to him? Well, we got to put it in a box. Well, what does that box cost? Right. And then it's like, well, we don't just put it in a box because what if the box gets wet? It's got to go in a bag. Right. So then it's like, well, how much does the bag cost? Well, it was a dollar. We got it down to 17 cents. Right. And so like all of a sudden he knows that he goes, yeah, I know now that when I order something, they're not keeping all the money. Like here I am thinking they're making all this money and I'm showing them the, the like the PL and the budgets and, and <laughs> our, awesome. they're, they're the ones stuffing the boxes with the hats and sealing the bags and doing all that Love to it. show them that because it's something that I, I think a lot of people don't think about. They just think about their income, but they're not looking at the cost of actually running their business. Right um so it's it's cool it's a it's cool and by the way you know take real estate 101 every night when i'm in bed i'm dming three people through instagram hey check out what i'm doing with my boys and you know that's it i mean that's all i do right mm -hmm. at, at literally midnight when everybody else is sleeping i'm dming three people that's a goal 101 real estate 101 you know yeah that's so good i love that um Definitely, definitely uh, a, a thing I'm going to park for when my kids are older because I love that idea. They see us doing like different businesses all the time. So now I want them to have a little something too. It's yeah. funny how they, they copy to, you know, what we do. So it's just, it's important to uh, have that example, yeah. that yeah. training. I love it. I love it. I, lo I love all of, all of what we spoke about today. This was excellent. Uh, Anthony, you want to add in any final thoughts? No, man, I could, I could speak to Alex for another five hours. You forgot yeah. the, uh, you forgot Printful or whomever's uh, printing the actual uh, <laughs> t-shirt or uh, hat. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had the cost of the hat. Yeah, you had the cost of the hat. And, and so, you know, depending on, on that, and then it's like, well, some hats are 14 bucks, but some are 20, you know, <laughs> depending on quantities. And it's like, yeah. well, hey, and, you know, they're like, oh, so, so then they're like, oh, you've made $2,000. I'm like, no, I haven't. You know, then I'm showing them, I'm showing them the Excel spreadsheet. And it's like, no, it's actually, we're still in the hole quite a month, quite a month. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're in the red. <laughs> we're in the red. Funny stuff, man. It's, it's fascinating. It really is fascinating. And by the way, 
what, you know, maybe we end with this. I don't know, but like, what a fascinating time to be alive, right? Think about this. I'm a real estate guy. I've been in real estate since I'm 19 years old, from secretary to telemarketer, to recruiting director, to sales coach, to sales, to manager, vice president, president, whatever, right? Like all this stuff. I'm a real estate guy, but here I am launching a lifestyle and apparel brand with my 11 year old boys and my 14 year old and my 24 year old who's going to sell it too because he's got an online business right that i've learned literally through the internet that's awesome man and there's no excuses there's really no excuse to go out there and try to learn something oh definitely it's it's amazing the resources we have at our fingertips if you go out and look for it right and it's and nowadays it's it's super easy you have a a supercomputer right here yep my son's like asking me every day, ask your phone. Like, <laughs> I don't remember the last question, whatever but it's it like, is. like what, whatever, like about a planet or about like, is a spider an insect? Cause he's telling me a spider is not an insect. I'm like, I think it is. He goes, no, it's not. Cause insects have six <laughs> legs. Spiders have eight legs. I'm like, okay, let's, he's like, ask your phone. I asked my phone, lo and behold, he was right. How oh, crazy man. is that? But imagine like, at six years old, we, we, we had, I had paper encyclopedias you know, like, <laughs> that had to get updated, you know, no and, cameras, no phones. It was great back then. It's a different, definitely a different time. There's but good, pe- the good and the people bad. People were right? saying but hello. That's for sure. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Now people are walking with their heads down, you know, there's actually a, like a, a problem with, with people's necks nowadays because of that texting neck of like looking really? down yeah yeah oh Anthony, that's that's very real there was I, I remember and i can't remember where i saw it i actually had tom ferry on and tom ferry Gosh. asked me about it. tom ferry asked me about it and i couldn't find the article but i found where grocery stores are putting like the stuff that they really want to sell they put it at like lower no way levels. are you yeah, serious where's your where's your shopping list it's on your oh, phone shit so you're, you're staring at your phone as you're pushing the car, you're staring down at your phone. So they try to put it at like down, like halfway down. Wow. Cause that's, wow. but I'm at. sure like 10 years ago or maybe more that the, the, the money spot was like at eye level, right? right? Now, now it's and at now the bottom. It's, so that's a perfect right? example of being able to reflect on where, how things are being done now and the times we are in and mm-hmm. to adjust. Right. So uh, for example, Anthony and I started with doing live shows for our show. Last, we were in the pandemic. Everybody was home. We started this right before the pandemic started. And now we realize live is not as effective as it used to be. So we're going to go to pre-recorded uh, starting next year. And we're going to adjust and change to make it more efficient and to make it more. I'll, more give, you, I'll give you a tip because here's, here's probably what you're finding. Okay. Well, you're probably what, what's finding is and it ha- it's happening with me is or it happened with me like around episode 3540. Facebook, because I only film live, okay. like for the most part. Facebook was starting to treat me like a media company. And so, because I was producing so much content that I'd have Ryan Surhan on. And the first time I had Ryan Surhan on, I had 15,000 views organically on my wow. page. Then I had him on again and I had like 200. And I'm like, all right, something's up. And so what I do is I still film it live. I save the content. I then put it to my business page and then I boost it on my business page. And then from, and then I post it to YouTube and all that. So I keep the live. Mm -hmm. And the only reason I keep the live is because what I have found when it's pre-recorded people later are like, Hey, can you edit out that? Like, Hey, could, could you edit out that comment where, you know, real estate's so hot right now. If you fog a mirror, you can do it. (laughs) Right. Like you edit that out. I said it, it is what it is. I've been saying it for years, by the way. And it wasn't 04, 05, 06. You could fog a mirror and do real estate. You know? Um, 
and and just that's the beauty of going live like it's just it, it's it's there's there's no second takes Um, and then you can take the content and then, you know, put it everywhere else, but it's going to happen. It's just Facebook's probably looking at you guys and saying, you're, you're pumping out so much content that you're a media company and they're going to, because we're, we're past episode 60. For those that are like newer, newer subscribers, uh, we have, you you can watch us streaming on Facebook. You can pop on zoom and actually ask questions in the chat. If you'd like, uh, we, we have our content, uh, on on YouTube and we are loading everything up on Spotify as well. Spotify. So we are we are ha- having it all, all, anywhere we can, whatever is easiest for for you to uh, to do. But um, hoping that you guys got some amazing nuggets from today. Remember, there's no secret sauce. I think that's the final the conclusion. Not Last question: You run in Miami Marathon this year? No idea, man. <laughs> Maybe I'll see you, man. Maybe. I mean, that means that's a, that's a flight down. So we'll see. <laughs> you know? I, I was going to, I was going to come down for the escape to Miami if they had it this year. It's just, it's such a fun race, but they didn't, they didn't do it. So we may, we'll see. Okay. All right, that's man. Tough. All right. Well, thank awesome, you so man. much. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. This we was appreciate, awesome. Appreciate your time. Thank you everyone for joining us today. See you next week. Have an amazing day. Bye. Bye. Bye.